This is a show about facing fear, unlocking courage, and taking action. Courage isn't necessarily a daunting thing. It's going to give you more purpose. It's going to give you more drive. It feels like making a courageous decision is going to get you closer to who you aspire to be. It's knowledge plus faith plus action equals courage. When you take a moment to pause, to go, what's really important? What am I doing with my time here? What I'm finding is it's really important to protect my peace and get off that hamster wheel in those back-to-back -back Zoom meetings and create the time and space to be more creative. I am truly excited for this conversation. You want to know why? You asking me why? Oh, I'm coming right. We're, we're jumping right in. Let's go. Yeah. Why Why are you so excited about this conversation, Ryan? Oh, oh thank you so much for serving it up, Gene. <laughs> um, because when you look at all the things that you've done and, and you've you've got a cool path, yeah, I feel like yeah, there's a moment in time right now where you're the chaos and or the reality of a Disney or a Walmart or an agency like you you know we're kind of like i think you put this on your instagram which i like like hashtag the art of pause right like you are in yeah. this moment where you can actually extract yourself step back from all the the amazing things you, you've been able to work on and kind of go huh okay what's best for gene and you've done a lot and seen a lot so like i'm just excited that it's not like you have <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you're busy. I mean that, but like, you don't have like a meeting and then a meeting and then a meeting and then a meeting and then a 15 and you're just it's so it can get exhausting. So maybe my first question truly is like, how are you? Like, how are you really? I am fantastic. Thank you for asking. I describe this time, this incredible time as I'm in between successes. And I am, as you mentioned, leaning into the art of the pause. And I've I've discovered that it is an art, right? That I'm giving myself permission to pause, which is not something we do often in business, right? We live in this culture of busy, of productivity, of what's the next thing, of climbing, you know, the the chasing, chasing the next thing. And this time to rest and reflect and renew and breathe i'm off the hamster wheel right which is <laughs> phenomenal you know i don't i think it's kind of like boiling the frog like you really don't realize that when you're in it how hot the damn water is and i live on the beach so i walk on the beach i meditate i get in that water to regardless of how cold it is mm -hmm. um i hike i do yoga i've been traveling which i you know we've all put off for years with the pandemic i love to cook i write i read i spend time with people i love you know my kids my friends my family you know, it's funny because I talked with a friend of mine recently about not feeling productive. And she goes, yeah, you're being super productive as a human. Yeah. And it is that, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. And so I realize the privilege that I have to take this time after working 30 plus years nonstop. And the only time I really took off was to have those other human beings. And so that's, you know, anybody who's had a kid realize it's not a vacation to take a maternity or paternity leave, right? It's a kind of a blur. So it's it's an incredible time for me, a reflective time. And I feel so physically, mentally, and spiritually healthy, like I have it in years. It's amazing. The trifecta. Yeah, you exactly. Know? exactly. So I, I should also step back and say, happy birthday to <laughs> you. Did you have a happy birthday? 
I did. Have, well, I, I'm thinking about his birthday month. Um, so <laughs> it, I feel like it's still my birthday month. But uh, thank you for that. I celebrated turning 57. Amazing. And I like to think of it as the age of wisdom. You know, my birthday happens to be on Valentine's Day. Oh, so it's it. a very, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's hard to forget. And if you do, then you're in real big trouble. <laughs> but it's also a really hallmark holiday. So don't try to get a, a reservation for dinner. And so we went, well, I went out with one of my favorite people to the desert and went to Joshua Tree and and hiked and felt both the sun on my face and hail coming down. And it's just, it's great. I really enjoy being out in nature. I think it's really an inspirational place. Yeah, this is a, a tell to the audience. So obviously we're not here live. It is February 24th today. So you're 10 days into the to the new year. My birthday is March 2nd. So like, ah, happy birthday. Almost. You're almost almost into your month. We're almost there. We're almost there. You know, I, I love the, I, I I love birthdays. I I really do. And, and I think it's like birthdays and new year's, new year's resolutions, like new year's day and birthdays, I think are data points. Like if people do like birthdays, usually they like new year's, the idea of new year's. And I think if people don't like birthdays, they probably don't like new year's or new year's resolutions and here's here's my like take on this you tell me if i if this like had not or not i feel like when you like a birthday you're basically auditing this right or wrong an expectation you had at where you thought you would be at that mark okay so for me at 47 which is what i'll be on march 2nd i mean i'm like oh my god i i never thought and I never had any intention of this. Like I, you know, I just, I'm, I'm very happy with the, the curiosity and the places that it's taken me. And so therefore I like birthdays. That's me. When you look at all the amazing things you've done, both being human and being human in business, do you feel similar? I agree that I, I love birthdays. I love celebrations. And I think for for many of us and and again i'll go kind of high level society we're not a we're not great at celebrating aging and anti-aging is a terminology that i would love banned from marketing and just society as a whole so i i like celebrating it and it's interesting even thinking about being in the ad industry and it was kind of taboo to talk about your age to, you know, hitting 50 was a big deal. And when I was very public about celebrating my 50, it's like, it's easy to age out. And I've just taken it as like kind of the way I've taken on my career. It's like showing up authentically. I am who I am. I'm not hiding my age and you can keep doing this and it's a state of mind. And so this idea of, you know, going into this next chapter of life and feeling great about it and just seeing the possibilities. Like I never in my wildest dreams when I was however young thought of, I would be where I am today. Right. And I, you know, when I was studying and when I was a punk ass kid and I didn't even want to go to college and, you know, I started thinking about going into design and then I got shifted into advertising and I fell in love. I was a bit, a little bit snooty about it. I, you know, it's like, oh, design is more purist. Advertising is selling your soul. And I had a, a professor, which so many teachers really influence people's lives, who said, you should really be in advertising. I'm like, no, thank you. Well, I'm going to start my own design business, which was hard as anything on your own in New York. And he called me into freelance. And uh, I was an assistant art director for him. And he said, I want to hire you. You did great. I told you you'd be great at this. And I said, no, really, I'm going to give my business a try. 
And he talked me into it. He said, give me six months. And if you hate it, no hard feelings. And you go back to doing your thing. And I stayed, he left in six months and I stayed for five years. And that was when I was at Saatchi. So even then it was like what I thought I was going to do kept shifting. And then I think what started to happen is it drove that, like, what's the next thing, right? Yeah. Like I never, th- and, and what does success look like? And even what I thought success looked like two years ago to what I think it is now, you know, success two years ago was getting a chief creative officer role, like living on the beach, making an impact, making, leaving the world a better place. And today I think it's very different. I think success is very different, but well, you I can't leave us hanging. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't trade any of it for the world. You know, like what a journey. Well, hold on. But like, okay. So your success looks very different, you know, to me, like, there's a stain, there's some stain on the brain, right? That was like, wait, I thought success was this. And then, and now success is something else. And and to be fair, I mean, you do live on the beach. You did have the title, you have the title, right? You've done it. Yeah. Is this about like stories get pointed forward or you go through these experiences and realize, oh shoot, actually I fulfillment and success is actually this more than that. Like what is success? I think it's more internal versus external validation. And I think coming out of the pandemic for many of us, and I did have a hard year, a couple of years, um, just personally, my dad died, my dog died, my marriage ended, I moved, um, my sister and my sister-in-law got breast cancer, and and, and you're aging and you're starting to go, okay, Um, I started a new job in a pandemic, I left that role. And I I think it was a lot of learning, but also saying, thinking like, when you take a moment to to pause, again, to go, what's really important? And we are on this planet for a finite time, right? And not to be gloom and doom about it, we're all going to die. But what am I doing with my time here? And really what what it gets a little existential. What is the meaning of life? And what is my purpose? And what impact can I have? And what's really important? And I think what I'm finding or feeling in this phase is it's really important to protect my peace. It's really important to be in flow and feel joy and get out of that, get off that hamster wheel and those Zoom back-to-back Zoom meetings and create the time and space to be more creative and to, to have more innovation and strategy and proactivity in the creativity that I do. I, I adore the lot, this line you have on your LinkedIn profile that's ruthlessly committed to making an impact. And, you know, obviously now context is king here a little bit, right? So I'm curious if this is a new line on your profile or if it's something that's been there and just like you, you believe it, it's been there for 10 years or is it like as you kind of have this moment to breathe, and it's, you can be reflective. You're like, you know what? This is an opportunity. This is a rebirth, right? Like, let me let me rewrite this. And bam, here comes the line, ruthlessly committed to making an impact. I should go to the, what is it? The Wayback Machine? We can actually yeah, go you can go to the Wayback Machine. I'm a no, fan. So how, how new is the line? And tell me more about it. I have definitely been writing different things and different expressions of, of who, who, you know, that's a very external facing profile. But in the thinking, I think I, I evolved the ruthlessly committed part. I've definitely, oh, in the last, I'd say 10 years of my career, 
evolved from being a pure creative creative leader to an, a leader with with purpose to drive impact and evolving my philosophy that create we can use creativity to make the world a better place Amen. and i think yeah and i think that you know what's what's my gift creativity what's my purpose to make the world a better place leave it leave, make impact meaning leave it better than we found it and not in an egotistical way but I, why was I here? Where was I put here? Um, and part of it is, is trying to make good humans. You know, those, those, those two girls that, that I'm so incredibly proud of. And part of it is like, what is my role in making a more equitable, a more sustainable, a more accessible planet? So I'm going back to external commentary that you've shared. So forgive me, but you have this other line, I believe diversity drives business and creativity can change culture. I'd love to like deconstruct the meal, right? So let's start with first in your mind, how do you define diversity in this context? For me, diversity is, let's think of it two ways. There's diversity of thought, right? We wanna bring diverse minds together to solve creativity, solving problems, right? And if you only have a homogenous point of view, then you're only going to get one kind of answer. And so in diversity of thought, who is what, thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, thinking about diversity of race, of gender, of religion, of orientation, of age, of ability, and all of those underrepresented minority groups that, especially coming from the ad world and the marketing world, where for the longest time, it was very much a male-dominated industry. And very much reflected the male gaze. Yeah. And so if we think about how we have the both the responsibility and the power to change culture, right? This idea that we make content, we tell stories. Who creates and writes those stories and solves those problems and how who we choose to cast and collaborate with can really change the direction of that communication and can where where I think how it can change cultures is normalizing certain things, evolving perspectives on on how people are accepted and not. If you think about work that's been done even with, you know, LGBTQ plus, how we represent families or black voices being representative in the creative process to tell more authentic stories and take away some of those by unconscious and unconscious biases in how we portray people. I look at diverseability and it, it was eye-opening for me. I work with some people at Disney that shared just a simple data point that if counted, the diversely abled group is the largest minority group because it affects one in four people on the planet because wow. it's intersectional. And when you look at the way the diversely abled are represented both in, in as cast and, and content and also who's writing the content and creating the content, it's really, really underrepresented. So that's where I feel like those kind of things give power to the power of, of what we can do, the expression of what we can do. I mean, I'm kind of going back to your comment earlier about banning anti-aging as a, as a thought. I mean, here, look, everything that I learned in the business was like, can you find an authentic differentiator and own it? put your foot down and like, that's what we are. And it, so it would be odd to me. I mean, 
look, I'm a white dude speaking here, right? So, I noticed, yeah. Right, I'm not sure well if you know, you know, right? White guy here uh, with a point of view. But like, like you said, how differentiated are you? You are as someone who's got experience and perspective from a woman's lens. And again, look, I grew up right across the street from you on 350 Hudson at Mester Viteri Burger McNamee Schmetter. Say that three times real fast. So I know what our business really used to be. And I champion exactly what you're talking about. It's like, how does creativity play? How do we get the right stories out there? And I feel like it is getting better. It is getting more interesting. It is getting more unique. Do you feel that way? Or do you feel like, no, Ryan, you, you know, like that's white dude speaking. Like, I'd love to get your thought on this. I do think it's getting better. Cause like, if I think about it, my journey, the timeline, right? Like, I don't think when I started in this business, I realized I'm it's going to be a tough road because I'm a woman. Didn't cross my mind. And I don't, but I did realize it was very much a boys club. It was very much the guys, guys, and like a very tough environment, very competitive and sort of, you know, after Saatchi, I did my stints at BBDO and it was like, if you don't come in Sunday, don't come in Monday, right? And sitting across from the desk from people that were that like looking at my work saying, you know, I'm kind of a guy's guy, so I don't get it. And having interviews for new a new position with a female partner and the executive creative director wanting to meet us because he we couldn't be delicate flowers and and work work and work out in the culture. And so, you know, I think that's when I talk about like about 10 years ago when I start like I started there was a journey from being a creative to leading creative. And that's when it started to become more and more obvious that there weren't very many female creative directors, forget female CCOs, right? And so about 10 years ago, the 3% conference was started. I was in Chicago at the time at DDB Chicago. And I was a group creative director. And I was I saw this come up and I'm like, this is really interesting to me because I always believed that if I just put my head down and I worked really hard, my work would get noticed and I would rise. And that wasn't happening. And I, or it was happening, but it felt like I had to work twice as hard to get yeah. just as far. And what kind of what started happening is like, you have to build your personal brand, which you, you learn these things as you go along. And there's sort of a loop. There was a loop of, you know, what creates success in the ad world? You know, you do great work, your work gets recognized and gets awards, you get, you know, promoted, you get raises, you win new business. So it's kind of that system of awards. And if that's just through the male lens and the same people are judging and the same people are awarding the same kind of work. So that loop I feel has been definitely been broken because of yeah. awareness to that. And I go back to something like the 3% conference, which, you know, my dear friend Kat Gordon started and she saw this data point as a female creative director. I think she was at Halloraini at the time. She's like, only 3% of creative directors are women. So this is 10 years ago. Yeah. And totally. I think now it's above and beyond like 13, 18%, which is kind of, which is a big jump, but it wasn't until she put a data point against it and called attention to it said, what are we going to do to drive gender equity in this industry? Which then evolved into, wait a minute, white women, because granted, I'm going to raise my hand to the privilege, you know, we all have, we all carry our privilege and white women are just one rung under the ladder under white men. So it became more expansive into intersectional diversity of like, we did, it's not just good enough to get women, white women in there. We have to expand it to 
all women, diverse women, then is it really like look at underrepresented minorities again, how few black creative creatives and creative leaders are. But when you think about the change, now we have, there are a lot of women I can look at in my circle, white, black, my friend Shannon Washington just became the, the first black female CCO as the CCO of RGA, like good on her first. Yeah. 2023, right? But there are more global, you know, Susan, Susan Cradle was one of my, you know, mentor sponsors, and she was the first female CCO at Leo. And then Susan, Susan Hoffman too at Wyden. And then she's global. And she, you know, I've heard an anecdote, anecdotal story recently. It was like, why does she take the global CCO role at FCB? She's like, because I felt I had to for the community. To be the first and change that, and then you know it changes with Liz Taylor and and Judy John, and then there's more. So it's kind of yes, you look around and you go, this is really evolving. This is really. Are we at parity? No way. Yeah. I was in a meeting yesterday. I'm part of a member of Chief, and Chief is an organization of women which has grown exponentially. It's the answer to the boys' club. It was it's the girls' club, women's club, of how do we have this private group that help connect women and get more women to the C-suite and help keep them there. And I was in, I have, we have a thing called chief core. So it's myself and six other women with a, with a, a coach and we meet monthly just to connect and stage set goals and, and share notes. And it's kind of a personal board of directors and you think about it. And um, there's a chief partnered with IBM um, to do a study and the, the, I don't have the numbers, but the, the slide that was shared yesterday, but there is an optimistic view that we are much better from a gender and a diversity space in, in executive leadership roles. But the reality is there's a much bigger gap. So there's perception reality. I think we've done a really great marketing job Yeah. to say, look at how good we're doing, how well we're doing in, in, in equity but we're still far behind where we where we need to get to be to get to parity. So I believe diversity drives business is the first part of this. And then we've got, and you believe creativity can can change culture. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, like. I mean, not to skip over the diversity can drive business because there's data that proves, and there was a study that was done that Diverse teams drive 19% higher levels of innovation. Wow. So I think in business, the business of creativity, data points are really important. As far as the second one being creativity can change culture, I think that's a direct response of if we use our creative powers for good and storytelling and how we show and reflect the diversity among us, the communities we serve, that can influence acceptance and disrupt stereotypes. And whether it's about aging, whether it's about Black people in the community and their role and their potential, and this philosophy of see it, be it, right? Really reflecting in a positive way and a possible way, all different kinds of people. You know, it's funny when I read creative, creativity can change culture. I break it into two. I break it into culture, <laughs> where we're living, our communities, but I also see it as a great tool to break internal culture, right? Like totally, right? Like how do you like to your point? Data matters, right? Like 
it, it takes all of the the bias away when you have such a true insight and it's unemotional it's just a fact right like you said that the 19 percent number right of a diverse teams are what i don't want to bastardize it 90 percent of diverse teams are oh according to world economic forum a study found that companies with more diverse management teams have 19 percent higher revenues due to innovation that's awesome yeah exactly yeah. It, it goes back to like when the 3% was founded, it was founded too on the fact that, again, I'm going to really round off the numbers. Um, um, 85% of decision uh, financial decisions in the home are made by women. 90 plus percent of women felt alienated by advertising and marketing messages. Hmm. So we're leaving a lot of dollars on the table if we're not connecting with our audience yeah. in an authentic way. By the way, only 85%. I mean, in my house, it's like 95%. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm I'm 100%. So <laughs> yeah. again, I have a little bit of a bias there. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that I love your push on culture because I think creativity as a culture driver is massive, drives massive potential. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've, we both come from, you know, protect creativity. We are creatives. What does that even mean? But really creativity is problem solving in a unique yeah. way. Right. And, and thinking about the leaders of the future need to be creative and innovative to drive success, right. And to drive successful teams. So to infuse a culture of creativity and diversity of thought into an organization means we are going to think differently and we are going to open up this expansive way of like there's there's sort of fixed mindset versus growth mindset right which again can be like you know closed-minded thinking versus open and expansive thinking and i think it's also like how do we put two innovation as putting two things together to create something new you can yeah. do that with people too so this idea of 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 expansive creativity i also think creative is really 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 thrives in a culture of fun and play you know, course, we're like, yeah. you know, that my job as a creative director was always to like, how do I create the playpen and put this and protect the kids inside to play and come up with great ideas and then protect those ideas. And then also to take away the fear. I think fear inhibits creativity and fear yeah. of failure and to really encourage an environment and a mindset of failing forward. We even did it at Disney. We, we established a fail forward award. And every quarter we'd give out awards of like who failed the hardest. See, this and is such a great example of like, this couldn't be, this is creativity at work. Like, right. Brand it, give it meaning, make it part of the process and state it and create it. And like, I love that you guys did this. Yeah. It's, and, and it's, it's tricky because when you come from, when you work at legacy brands, it's, you know, this is how we've done it. We've, we've, we, we, we do tend to, think more in a fixed mindset. So, and, and you'd have, you know, no offense, but marketing strategy partners who would say that, you know, why are you give, bringing me ideas that we didn't ask for? I'm like, maybe you're not asking the right question. Yeah. What? And so what we started to, but, but then you get into the battle of, is it creativity for creative, creative sake? Then that feels indulgent, right? Mm -hmm. Versus creativity to solve a business problem which ultimately the ultimate the ultimate end result is driving the business, driving revenue, winning hearts, minds, spirits, and wallets. So it's really reframing and so listening, but also educating in the power of a great creative idea 
can is proven to be to have more efficacy and so that is that partnership of i hear you and so how do you do it in small and or big steps like okay here's what you asked for i had i would always have my teams put a what if slide into the end of the deck okay we answered it because when you just when you ignored the question doesn't work as well people want to see what they asked for okay we brought that how we thought we thought what if we did this maybe it's not in that media maybe it's not a typical TV spot. Maybe it's an experience. Maybe it's a new product. Maybe it's a, a a whole different experience that we could solve that would bring people in. So that's the fun part. That's the really exciting part. And to get people on board to collaborate in that space is a creative culture. So for the one like monster that resonates the most for me is you're never done educating, Right. Never uh, done learning either. You're never done learning. No doubt. Right. No doubt. It, 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 I found. I basically had to like eject myself out of my last life, which was an agency owner that would get a call to help clients tell the universe why they're sliced bread. And often there was fear in the in the subtext of what was being asked. What was the fear? Can you do it for this cost? Why? because these other seven agencies said they could do it for that cost. Why? Because dude, can you give me a win with my C-suite? Right, all these things. And okay, well, if I tell the story to the outside world, will the culture, your actual culture be proud of that idea? Will, they, will there be a head nod? Or is it so far removed from the reality of your culture that they're gonna look at it and it's gonna hurt your own internal culture? And they're like, Dude, can you help me or not? And I'm like, this is my problem. Like, I acknowledge that I, I'd landed myself in a transactional arena that I wasn't happy with anymore. So when I read, creativity can change culture. Often, now I'm like, okay, I got to get to the leadership level where everyone's living on the other side of the brain, and like educate them. I'm still learning too, but educate them on like how creativity can help. How do you help people feel? about your brand, not just the money, not just the dollars and cents. I mean, yeah. you, you, you're a two massive organizations, Disney and Walmart. T talk to me about <laughs> what that was like being the, one of the only ones we'll say on, you know, the feeling side of the brain, if you did without throwing anyone under the bus, I'm curious what this was like. Well, it was a shock, you know, think about left brain, right brain. Some people believe in the philosophy of it and the science of it. Some people don't, I believe in it. And coming from the agency side, I definitely lived on the creative side of the brain and it was creativity at all costs and you leave bodies. No, it doesn't matter right. by any means necessary. Right. 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 And it's a little bit of be careful what you wish for. Like when I was recruited to Disney, it, I was looking at other CCO roles and I was, it was really interesting to look at brand side. I'm like, I was a little bit frustrated by just working on one section of the pie for a brand, right? And this idea of we're brand builders, we're brand gatekeepers, but we're only we only got have one little gate, which is this, you know, paid marketing, paid advertising, and getting into the brand and what the brand to your your point, the brand purpose and the mission and the vision and the personality and the expression um, and the voice and the visual ID. And so I think I have this tendency and I have in life and it's gotten me far, but it's also gotten me in trouble of how hard <laughs> could it be? I just have this like, you know, pop, jump off that, that let, how hard could it be? 
Childbirth without without drugs, how hard could it be? Going from brand side to agency side to brand side, how hard could it be? Moving across the country, good and it, it was a, it was hard, and it was it was kind of I, I liken it to being dropped in a foreign country. I studied, I had the 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 great experience of studying design in Milan when I was in college, and I did a semester abroad, which was phenomenal, um, expansive for the brain. I didn't speak Italian. How hard could it be? Um, met my ex husband at a Ramones concert. Married an Italian, had a couple of kids. How hard could that be? Very hard, apparently. Um, uh-huh. But this, I, I liken the experience of going brand side, especially someplace like started at Disney, which was very corporate. Even though it's a, the world's biggest, one of the biggest creative companies, it's still a an operational very corporate company and matrixed hierarchical and um i felt like i'd been dropped in a foreign country i didn't know the language i didn't know the culture i didn't know the people and so it was very humbling to learn that and i think again at agency side again you push forward we got to push this idea through we got to push the idea through and it was very different to lean back and go okay do i have where where are my relationships who do I need to partner with to get this done? What's the education process? How much are you going to bite off? What's the incremental steps? And to your point, is the culture ready for this idea? Does this reflect the brand now, who we are? How do we move forward? How do we get, you know, how do we get there? And you have to win hearts and minds and spirits inside, almost more important than outside. Totally agree. Totally agree. And so, you know, and I also think it was such a shift in volume for me, like really thinking about, you know, taking on, you know, this internal agency was 250 people, right. Of more in that creative services mindset, we're going to, we're going to be iterative. We're going to make assets. We're going to do that. And then working with external agencies that had the creative strategy that had the, did more platform and campaign work and then you get you to bring people on. Like, I'm like, I don't want to be the, the, the people that do that create assets so how do you build that as well? Um, so you're 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 teaching people and you're bringing on new skill sets. You're growing. You're getting a little bit of that. You get that paint. And so so you still have to get the the stuff done, which is a lot. And it's, you know, I I think the first the look the first year and you went oh my we did seventeen thousand initiatives and you start to go, whew. And so you really have to learn. Like it's like you have to learn. It's like not just a fire hose coming at you. It's seven. And choose your battles and to, as a creative leader, not to get caught up in the weeds and empower others to grow your power and also to, to um, stay high and what's important. And, but, but I do think, again, looking at that time now, when I have the time to reflect, you can't do everything. You can't help everyone. You can't get involved with every campaign. You can't, you want to get down to the nitty gritty, but it'll drown you. So I, and, and I, and it is that like that kind of crazy loop of, I want to be here for the people to get to the vision and you have to also take care of yourself. I mean, first of all, lots of thoughts. I mean, one, I wish every agency, if you're an agency person, have the courage to ask your favorite client, let me come spend a week with you. Let me spend two weeks with you in the office. No agenda other than I want to know what it's like to walk in your shoes. Because like you said, you learned a lot when you got parachuted in. I learned a lot when I like, I mean, I got parachuted in the, at, the, at the leadership level. It wasn't even creative people. It was the other side of the brain to try to understand their world. And two, and I, I'm curious on your thought on this, it's just as hard 
for them to understand what the heck we're talking about. Totally. Right. It's just as much like they're like, I look at P and L's. I wear khakis every day, lovingly. Right. Like it's like it's not their fault. So Excel did my head in. I'm like, why am I working in Excel? Like it's bad enough to be working in PowerPoint, right. which is like the kiss of death. But then you're working in Excel. And I, it's so funny because you think about the left and right side of the brain. One of the successes I think I had, we had as a team is I worked very closely with the media team and the media team was pushing data, 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 data. And it was science and science. And as I talked creativity, it was more nebulous. Data was, you know, hard fact on the Excel. You could tell what we had to do and where to do it. And so what I learned is relationships and partnerships. And you said it before, what's the simplest expression of this that people can understand when we, we, and so I had a partnership with um, the head of media and we did these um, digital days together and both the creative side and the media side um, to help educate people what's innovative, what's happening and just get into the vernacular. It's a very analog team, but data plus creativity equals magic. Wow. That sounds very Disney. Very Disney. So what is the cultural, what, learn the language, understand the culture and the people. And this is something that can be good. When you put those two together, there's X, it's one plus one equals three, which is very Disney as well. It's exponential. So it is put, sprinkling a little magic on it that, that, and, and I've also learned that really simplifying, be clear, right? We can be a little bit navel gazing and talk in philosophies and to, to inspire people and to gain relationships. Be as clear as you possibly can and be consistent to help people go, I got it. I understand where we need to go. I can I can take that that really clearly and go with it. I want to circle back to something you said. I hate the word circle back. I don't know where I said that. Stupid. Okay. Square it's back. See, I worked in I worked at Brandside for six yeah. years. That's why I say that stuff. <laughs> think out of the box, all that stuff. I think there's a massive opportunity coming from agency side, being brand side, seeing the gaps in the, you know, it's a Mars and Venus experience, right? If you go back, if we go back way, way back machine, men and women, but uh, um, we speak different languages. And I think agencies can learn a lot to your point understanding really what clients and brands need to do, want to do, how they operate. And I think brands can learn a lot on how to treat agency creatives and strategists as partners, not vendors. So I think there's this client vendor relationship that's that's prolific in the in the industry, it's which does not away. drive it's gotta the go away. creative product. It, it, it's got to go away. And again, this is also why I why I think I left agency life as we once knew it. And uh, because I felt like I couldn't make that impact. Like even when you talk about that, the 19% statistic, think about how far it, for something to become a statistic, the work had to have been done two years, three years. Someone totally. had the, the thought, a high level thought to go, this collision isn't working anymore. The collision must be from different perspectives. Of people that have open minds that can can still, by the way, banter, totally, and, and collide, and then that's to your point. That's where the magic happens. Like that's no different than this exact same problem. But that means that I think brands, if you are a leader of a brand, now we'll do this the other way. If you are the leader of the brand, and somehow you've decided. 
to give us 50 minutes of your day and we're in your ear right now. How do you give your partners, and that's what they are, permission to understand your reality? And by the way, agency side to your right, because it was, it was win awards at all costs. Why? One, well, my boss told me that was important too. Deep down, deep down, I know it's going to advance me. Yeah. It's validation. It's external that goes back to external validation. I did it. They like me. They really, really like me. I'm good enough. We all have that imposter syndrome. We all have that itty bitty shitty committee in, in our heads to go not good. Creativity, especially. Am I going to be creative enough today? Am I have? Am I creative enough? Um, and I do. I think. I think awards help agencies win clients, and I think they help retain talent. And I help. I think it helps talent grow. So it's tricky, but. It's interesting, the whole idea of awards, because because I believe in them. I think it helps elevate the bar. I think it helps teach people. And I think when it feels like it's a jury of your peers and say, this is really great work. I need to up my game or wow, look what they did. And you can use it as case studies, right? At When I was first at Disney, and you know, I was asked, invited to judge at Cannes, and, and, we were, and I wanted to, want us to get involved. And it was like, yeah, that's that's really it's, again seen as indulgent. And for me, the, at the brand side, why it was important for me as the creative leader of this of this team was to show that we were in the game and we were we were legit, and to attract talent that we are going to you're you're going to get work in this game. And so you're not going to become irrelevant because I think there's this fear for really good creatives that if they go brand side, they're going to become invisible and get soft and not do great work. Wow. That's heavy. Yeah. And it's interesting because see, seeing really great marketers who believe in the power of creativity to drive business, Fernando, who was the CMO at uh, Burger King. Burger King. Like, yeah. Like just, just an amazing creative mind right? And a believer in creative product. And he was speaking at one of the one club leadership retreats. And I found him fascinating. And he's, he talked about how do you get your clients to get excited about awards and why, right? And it was really like, bring them up on the stage with you so they can feel that thrill of the win and feel like they are part of, look at what we did together and then look at the results. If, if you know, this is not to my visceral on that is that is a tactic that is a that is a that is a tactic you can absolutely use i adored your um your data plus creativity equals magic did i get that right i i, that, I don't know if we said I, I think it might have been science plus mat plus creativity equals magic science plus math yeah that's it that's it. science plus creativity so I, I and the reason i bring that up now you had said something i think when you went over somebody's heart when you went over somebody's mind, so heart plus mind equals trust. Yeah. And I think I think anything I've ever done that was meaningful was rooted in trust. In and and great, great. I think we know where great work is, but it's it's a relative battle. It's like the little yodeler in Price is Right, right to bring them along and and to explain why we're making these moves that we're making. And when someone shows up differently, do they feel the energy that they're, this is different and there's confidence that's coming from it. It's like you talked about Italy being dropped into a different country. Being dropped into brand is probably being dropped into a different country. And if you yeah. can become the translator that you are and start to build trust, 
you actually have a shot to do magic and to make the work that you're talking about. Now, I know we're kind of running out of time here, and I'd love to bring us back to the here and now. I'm like really curious to hear what success looks like for you next. And do you have like a criteria that you've written where you're like, here are the seven boxes I'm going to check off. Like you're judging them as much as they're critiquing you. Is that, is that where you're at? I don't think it's as scientific as that. So maybe I should write a list. Okay. Um, I am doing a lot of work and strategy on what's next. And I, I was very intentional about taking time and saying, I'm not going to stress about this. I'm not going to worry about the next thing. I'm going to like free my, give myself the permission to pause and rest and reflect. And so I'm, you know, new year, new birth year, right? So like, okay, it's kind of skimmed through January and I was still in the sort of uh-huh. pajama mode um, or yoga, yoga mode, whatever it was. And then, so February is like, okay, Jean, what do you, and I have been having conversations with different brands. Um, and I have, you know, I, I'm, I've always been one in my career to say, take the call. You know, it can never hurt to take the call, but I do have a different criteria on culture, on appetite for creativity, for purpose. Purpose is really on the top of my list. I I think there's two things, two P words on the top of my list. And again, as a creative, love alliteration because it's sticky. Purpose and peace. I am not going to sacrifice the peace that I have gained in my life, the quality of living in my life for everything. Right. And so I, w- I want to work for creativity for purpose and impact, whether it be at a brand or whether it be consulting or whether it be starting my own thing and make sure I think success to me now is more about freedom and time and health and um, beautiful. Yeah. And, and I think living a life that's, you know, we have to make a living, but we have to live our lives. And so it's really like re- a reframe for me on that. Well, it's, uh, I'm really glad that we found some time and space for this. And like, you know, it's just called. Thank you the... for inviting me and inviting me again. I appreciate it. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, look, this is as. You hit, uh, me, you hit me at a good time this time. I know. I'm like, this might be it. I might be <laughs> able to actually get her on the show. Um, since this is called the Courageous Podcast, if there was like one sort of brave nugget you would leave with the listener. What do you got? Um, can I have two? Permission granted. Thank you. And the just asking that question goes to my first one. Ask for what you want. You will absolutely not get what you don't ask for. And it has been a career and a life changer for me, especially as a woman, especially as a mother, asking to a longer leave, asking to work remotely before it was even heard of, asking to take summers off because that's when my kids were off and asking for more money, asking what I needed to do for the title. Be, give me specifics, give make it actionable. So I tell that to all my mentees. And I think the other one goes back to something we talked about. Do not be afraid to fail, to take risks and think about that. What is the absolute worst that could happen? I love it. You well, learn listen, something. Whenever the art of the unpause <laughs> comes back. You mean the art of the pivot? Okay. That's better. But I'll, you know, the, the art, you got you have another P by the way. I have another, another P. You have another I have P. two books, two books, uh, two podcasts. I love it. Maybe you'll come back and share 
if if it's staying on brand for you and we'll give you six months or something just to make sure we don't you know give you enough time to figure things out in your Get new language done. yeah yeah but, uh, I, i'm i've learned that the other p is i'm a massive procrastinator uh-huh. and through creative i'm really much better with a deadline so self-inflicted deadlines are, are key to me right now I I have to tell you, I don't think you're alone in that, but I also think we couldn't come up with a better word than deadline, really. Like deadline, uh, that's, that's that's the best. That's brilliant. That's the best we could you're come killing up with. Me, Smalls. You know, but anyway. All right, Gene. Thank you so all right, much. Ryan, thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Courageous Podcast. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. See you again next week.